Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. Proverbs 18 verse 20. You may have heard this before. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. Hear that? From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. And then surely you've heard this next verse. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to talk this morning about our words and how powerful our words are. Have you ever noticed that someone who is always complaining about how sick they are, always seems to be sick. Have you noticed, on the other side of the equation, how someone who's always saying how happy they are and how wonderful life is, always seems to be happy and finding life wonderful? They're not just reflecting on the reality that they're living in, they're actually creating the reality that they're living in with their words. It's hard to say what comes first. You know, the horse and the cart. Well, they're saying they're sick because they're already sick. But in, in talking about and reflecting on and complaining about the sickness, is it, there's, a, there's a prophetic power in those words. They're creating death or life with those words. And the same with someone who's a, you know, like I said, a, a bubbly, happy kind of person. They tend to project that with their words. And of course, God's words are even more powerful than our natural words. You know, right Smack at the beginning of the Bible, verse, first verse says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then two verses later it tells us how he did that, simply with his words. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Isn't that awesome? Yep. And everything else that was created, it was simply, and God said, God spoke, God created with his words. Just incredibly powerful results of him simply speaking something into existence. And then later in that same chapter, you see God creating mankind and he says, I want to make mankind in our image. Our being the, the Trinity referred to, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, President Creation. And, uh, and he says, and I'm going to give them dominion over this world, over all the living creatures. That's about, you know, chapter 1, verse 20-ish or so. And, and so... A couple of things there. We've been given a, a, a level of creative power in our words because we're created in God's image. We're not gods, of course. We don't just create universes. You know, we're not getting carried away. But in his image, there is something of God in us, including the creative power of words. And also in being called to have dominion over our world, again, we use our words to do that. And you can see that. You can influence your world rather than being influenced by it by the power of your words, by your proclamation, by your, your belief system and your, your articulation of that. And, and you, get to, you get to create something with your words, with, with this power. You can shape the world you live in to some degree. And also, you get to uh, resist uh, the devil, the enemy. You can re rebuke him and, and resist him with your words and you see him flee from us and we're told about that in the word of God. But the really exciting thing is that we don't just get to use our words to do this, to do this sort of creative part of living. We've been given God's word. The Bible 
is full of his will, full of his purpose, full of declarations and promises and commandments that God's given us to employ, to make ours to use. And so we've got a choice. We can do what most people do, which is really just to go about everyday living, reflecting on what is happening. And that's usually pretty negative, complaining about problems, feeling down and struggling and and reiterating and reinforcing the problems by just talking about them. Or we can stop, take stock, appreciate, get a revelation of what potential we've been given, and then we can employ the Word of God and powerfully use it and see things change. And... And we'll live with the consequences of whatever we're talking about. Whether it's, as I said, just rehashing, reiterating, reinforcing the issues, the problems, the dramas, what other people are saying, what the world's saying, what's on the news, the doom and gloom. Or we can find solutions, promises of hope that's in God's word and put our faith and trust in that and find ourselves using it well. Because this is, this is spiritual warfare. You know, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And we've done series, I think last year we did a series on that. Uh, and then right at the end, after all, you talk about the you know, breastplate of righteousness, all the protective armor, there's one weapon that we're given. And what is it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we get to use this sword, this Word, Ephesians 6 verse 17, and it's, so it's not just symbolic language, it's not just poetry, it's not just, you know, uh, words for the sake of words or, 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 or symbolism or just a, it's a, it's a reality. Just as a soldier in those times had a physical, real sword and he was expected to learn how to use it if he was in the army, uh, we've been given the word of God. And people in Bible times, when he wrote and said, this is the word of God, it's the sword of the spirit, people knew what a sword was. They didn't have guns. The sword was the single biggest, strongest weapon that any armor, uh, uh, army had. Because they had a bunch of soldiers. I mean, they had that catapult. The Romans were pretty cool with that. That was, you know, breaking technology and, and, uh, and you know, the tubs of burning oil over the forts and all that stuff. But most of the time, you've got the most well-trained army in the world at that time, the Roman army, and everyone knew, if they're talking about a sword, they knew about the Romans and their swords because they dominated the whole world of the Bible, all through Europe, Britain, North Africa, western parts of Asia. It was conquered by the Romans because of the power of the sword and the way they had learned how to use it, train their troops with it. So too for us, we are called... To know that the word, of, uh, the word of God is a weapon. It's our weapon of warfare, of choice, of, of attack. So we need to read it, memorize it, meditate on it. In other words, we'll understand how to use it. We understand what God is saying to us, what it says about the world around us, how it applies to our lives. We need to remember passages and promises that we can turn to when we need help. How many people have I met who have been following the Lord for many years who run around with their, what do they say, like their heads chopped off like a chook or something? Uh, who's actually ever seen that? I mean, it is real, right? Yeah, okay. Enough of this. I haven't. I've just assumed, but I've heard it's real. Um, 
uh, and people are like, ah, when something goes, and you think, well, hang on a minute, the word of God, there is a solution. Uh, and I'm to blame too, because I think we've all had situations where you stop and think, hang on a minute, I've been panicking or worrying or fretting or freaking out or getting angry and duh, I'm a Christian and I've got the word of God, you know, and, and uh, we need to turn to it. And no, But we need to know where to turn. So when you're sitting in church or when you're in your connect group or when you're reading the word in the morning in your quiet time, that's boot camp. That's military exercises and training. Hudson, our son, we haven't heard from him for a week and another three weeks we won't hear from him. He's out somewhere in Whoop Whoop in the army and they do these military exercises and they go through. He's not in Afghanistan, but they're getting ready if they have to go to places like that by doing all the kind of stuff and they sleep just on the ground. They're out there. They're totally, like for four weeks, they sleep on the ground. There's no tents, no covers, no, they just get food. They get rat packs, as they call them, ration packs. And uh, Ivan knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's done it years ago. Uh, and it's tough, I imagine, you know. Um, I mean, I just go camping for a couple of days and think, oh, I can't wait to get home to my bed, you know. I'm all about day walks, I've decided. I mean, Ruth and I have decided. I like bushwalking. I like getting tough and sweaty. I went mountain bike riding yesterday and I'm sweaty and my legs are burning and I'm, and I'm all home for breakfast. Yeah. It's all over from six to eight and then I'm back. In fact, the whole family was still asleep. I came back and they're all, they're all asleep. But I got my exercise in and then I'm back and there I am. Got my cereal. You know, it's a, a table, a chair, a bed to sleep on at night. And so, but, but in the spirit, and, and we've got to be careful that we don't enjoy the comforts of the world physically so much that we aren't prepared to spiritually lean into a little bit of training. And God calls us to be fit and fighting strong in the spirit. And again, as I said, some people just haven't done the work. So when the problem comes, they go, ah, and they don't know what to do. Well, we've got the opportunity to be trained. So that's knowing your weapon. And then, of course, we've got to obey the word. We don't just know about it or read it, but we've got to obey it. James 1 verse 22 says, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. And there's plenty of instruction there about what to do in life, how we should think and speak and act. And most of it is directly opposed to what we want to think and speak and act naturally. You know, so... So to forgive an offence, to resist temptation, to give generously, to serve other people, to speak out and, and boldly witness for Christ, to, to believe the best in someone. And this is all, these are behaviours that don't always come naturally and easily, but, we're, but they're clearly part of God's calling on us. I can point you to a verse for each one of those behaviours, and you probably know too. So that's made clear in God's word. We've got a calling to obey it. So we need to know it, obey it, but of course we need to also speak it. And this is, like I said, we're out on the battlefield, we've done the training, but in daily life you are on a battlefield. You need to be praying, proclaiming the word of God, and in doing so you're taking ground in the spirit. You're fighting the good fight of faith. You're building your life, your ministry, your calling according to God's word. So what I want to do is just Look at a normal day for a regular believer and think of some of the scenarios that come your way and see how the word of God applies to them and the choices that we can follow uh, in employing the word of God. So let's start with waking up because 
sometimes if you wake up, you might feel uh, anxious and you don't know why. Have you ever had this? You just you, you wake up and you're, you just feel a little down, a little despondent, a little lost, and you don't even know why. Well, right there, you've got a choice. You can just look at the clock, get up, rush around the house, get ready for work, fly out the door and carry with you for the entire day a nagging sense of unease about life. This is, I don't think, just hypothetical. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Uh, or you can stop at that point and go, hang on a minute. I'm going to make the time, I'm going to sit down before God, I'm going to get the Bible and I'm going to see what he says. As I settle my heart before him, I'm going to pray and reflect on some relevant scripture. Well, one that comes to mind is in Psalm 118 verse 24 that says, this is the day the Lord has made, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. So you meditate on that and you think, yeah, I've been given this day. I've got breath in my lungs. Some people haven't. Yesterday was their last day. I got another one. Well, that's good news. That's better than nothing, better than dying, you know, so you can be thankful. And then you realize today's got some opportunities. Even if they're challenging, they're opportunities. And so God's given me another day to live. That's a privilege. I don't want to take that for granted. Wow. So that puts a spring in your step. And then so then you leave home meditating on that with joy bubbling up inside simply because of the power of the word of God. And there's other verses you can think of, you know, rejoice in the Lord always and other verses that might, you know, attack and defeat that that hazy sense of, of, of worry that might just descend upon you. Or you can get even more specific. You might say, hang on a minute, what is worrying me? And this is worth doing. You get a pen and paper out, actually articulate. Go, what? So maybe, for example, it's your health. Maybe you're waiting for some test results to come back. And that's, you know, bearing down on it and you and you're worried about that. Well, again, you can go to the word of God. You can think, you can think of all the amazing teaching you've had in church over the years about healing. Uh, and more than that, you can go to the word yourself that reveals God's will on the matter. So, again, in the Psalms, you think of, say, Psalm 103, verse 2, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, don't forget any of his benefits. He heals all my, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And so there's a promise that you think, okay, well, if it is sickness or an illness or some condition that's attacking me, I've got the word of God that I can stand on. And, of course, healing is, a, as I said, a subject that we revisit and preach on and, and, and teach on and understand that God's word uh, applies to our lives for. Uh, and so there's just the beginning of your day, the word of God's going to help. So you don't just, as, as I said, just find yourself stumbling through the day with a sense of worry that a lot of people live with. Secondly, you get to the train, say, maybe you're a commuter. And the train's packed, there's one last seat, you're just about to sit down, it's right in front of you, and someone pushes past you, sits down on the seat, and not only that, they look at you with an angry look and speak rudely to you as if you took their seat. Well, what do you feel like doing? You're tempted to react emotionally, to get angry, to shoot some sharp words back at them, but you resist that because you remember the word of God. James 1 verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I know that verse. 
I've been saying it to myself for 35 years or whatever. And, um, and my kids know it too. Um, and sometimes we're slow to listen, quick to speak, and really quick to get angry. <laughs> but there it is. That's the word of God. So you remember that and you think, I've got to just obey that. I don't, I don't feel like doing it, but listen to what the next, you know, we probably all know that verse, but listen to the next couple of verses. That's James 1.19. What about James 1 verse 20? Listen to this. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept, listen, watch this, humbly accept the word of God, sorry, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is power to save your souls. That's interesting, isn't it? Did you see that? The word of God is powerful when it's planted in you. It saves your soul and it helps you resist and deal with evil intentions. You overcome them with God's righteousness. And listen to what Joyce Meyer says. Every day we are faced with a decision. Will we respond to life circumstances according to God's word or will we react emotionally? The initial temptation is to react emotionally. But in every circumstance, it's truly your decision. By acting on God's word and not merely reacting to the situation, you'll be able to manage your emotions instead of allowing them to manage you. I strongly recommend confessing the word of God out loud. Even though you confess, sorry, even though what you confess may be the opposite of how you feel, Keep doing it. God's word has inherent power to change our feelings, bring comfort to us, and quiet our distraught emotions. Well, she's a great teacher of the word and knows what she's talking about, if you know her testimony. And so uh, so there, right there, is a situation that could bother you for the rest of the day. Someone's, you know, angry with you, you know, on the train, or they cut in front of you on the freeway and you and you can be thinking about that all day someone's upsetting or you just take the word of God and and you obey it and as you obey it the feelings fall into line yeah Uh, okay then next scenario you get to work you sit down and quickly things get really boring because who knows work is work you know it doesn't matter what job you do there's kind of an element about work that is work it's not always exciting. Uh, and so your mind starts wandering. Before you know it, you're thinking, I'm stuck in a, ru- in a, in a, in a rut. Uh, what am I doing here? I'm going nowhere. I- I've done nothing with my life. I'm a complete failure. And it can all happen in three minutes, you know, from just, uh, I'm a little bit bored to, what have I done with my life? You know, I'm a, com- I'm a failure. And you're 21. You know, and you think, this is it. What's the point? And, and then it gets worse because you're called to a meeting where they celebrate the success of someone else. And they're given a promotion. And you're expected to feel happy for them, but you don't. You feel resentful and jealous. But then that's worse because then you know that's bad. So then you feel worse again because you feel resentful and jealous. And you think, oh, well, how hopeless am I? Not only is my career going nowhere, I can't even celebrate someone else's success. Oh, what a loser. You know what I mean? Has everyone had this? The devil loves this. 
Because he's got you worried, anxious, focused on yourself, losing all your confidence and strength. And then right at that point, you've got to decide, am I going to let him have his way? Am I going to let all these negative worrying thoughts just carry on in my mind and my heart and, and bring me down? Or am I going to stop for a moment? Am I going to turn to God and am I going to think about what he says about my life in his word and believe it and proclaim it? Because he's got a few good things to say about you. Did you realize John 3.16? Ever heard that one? He loves you so much so that he's given his son to save you. And so you're saved if you believe in Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. Romans 8 verse 1 says you belong to Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says you're forgiven for whatever mistakes and sins you've made. And then you think of other verses. You think of 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 that says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I've got the Holy Spirit living inside me. And then I realize, hang on, God's got great plans for my life. Jeremiah 29.11. He's got plans to give me hope, to give me a future. I'm more than a conqueror. Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ. I'm God's workmanship i'm his masterpiece ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 created in christ jesus to do good works that god has prepared in advance for me to do i don't know what they all are but i can trust god that he's got something good for me to do and then you think yeah and then you remember that verse in philippians that talks about the work of god in you and how it's not yet finished so you don't have to panic if it hasn't all happened for you it says uh, philippians 1 verse 6 i'm certain that god who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when christ jesus returns okay so we're all under construction it's all right we haven't arrived god's still working on us there's still hope like you heard about last week so it's all good and then you can celebrate that other person's success. You don't have to feel like your life's ended just because work's a little boring. And if it isn't the right career, then you can do something about it. You can retrain or work hard or take that person out who got the promotion, kill them and then take their job. No, no, I'm just thinking outside the box, but a little too far outside the box. Okay, but um, okay. so then you get a, you know, a, a spring in your step. And, uh, and there's plenty of other promises that God's made about how your life is, is worthwhile. You know, that, that, and you, again, you've got to read these promises, meditate, memorize them, proclaim them. Uh, and so you, 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 let's say you do that and you, you get back at your desk and you, you get that buoyancy in your spirit back again. Uh, and then you get called to another meeting. And let's say you walk in and the mood is, is rather somber and there's the boss and he drops a bombshell by saying that the firm is not doing so well and there's going to be layoffs and immediately fear grips you your mind starts racing your heart goes all cold because you think that'll be me I'm going to lose my job what am I going to do and you start thinking of all the bills that need to be paid all the plans that you had that aren't going to be possible and and you you you're thinking, what am I going to do? There, there just won't be enough to meet my needs. And then as you think about that, you think, hang on a minute, that sounds familiar. Maybe just that morning you read Philippians 4.19 that says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
Now remember, these are real, powerful promises, not just poetic phrases. It's not reading Shakespeare or Milton or Keys or, you know, Yeats and Yates and Keats and, you know, all the, you know, there's some beautiful, you know, there's some beautiful poetry. If you're not into poetry, I'm not a great expert, but it's moving stuff, you know. But, but this is more than poetry. I mean, there's some poetic books, you know, the Psalms, of course, poetic. But it's the Word of God. It's the power of the Word of God. William Shakespeare is not going to change my life, though he can improve my vocabulary, you know. It's going to, and, and, and it can move me and go through a five-act tragedy and make me think about life. And life. But you hear what I'm saying? The Word of God is unlike any other word. And so you park yourself on these scriptures and you live off them. I, I know what I'm talking about, particularly in this provision one, because we've been doing this for years, right from the start, when Ruth and I first got married. Um, we've had, uh, well, we certainly had limited resources then, and we've had, you know, modest levels of income, and yet God's blessed us over the years. When we first got married, we were both full-time students, and we lived in this tiny little apartment. I mean... It was so tiny, someone gave us a lounge suite and you couldn't hardly get into the room. Like we, it looked so normal in the shop. Do you remember this? And we got this lounge suite and once we put it in the front living room, we had a living room, a little bedroom, and I guess you could call it a kitchen. It was just sort of off the living room. But it was so funny. People had opened the door to, oh, hi, yeah, come in. Just, that's your seat right there. Sit down. That was the, the lounge suite just filled the room. I thought it didn't look so big in the showroom, you know, but we were happy. We were in our little flat and God met all our needs. I remember telling Ruth's father when I proposed to her and said, you know, want to marry your daughter and like your approval. And he said, all right, yes, okay, well, and how are you going to live? Because he knew we were both going to go back to Bible college. We'd done one year, we we're going to do a second year of Bible college. And I had it all covered. I was very confident. I told him the figures. I said, oh, well, I've got a part-time job and I'm going to earn this much. And his face just dropped, you know, and I thought, that, but that's a lot of money. And I realized, no, no, that's just petrol money and shopping money for the, you know, his kind of world, you know. And Oh, well, you know, I trust Ruth's judgment. And he thinks, oh, great, my daughter's, you know, selling herself down the poverty chain. And, you know, there goes the North Shore career, you know. And, um, and uh, but God met all our needs. And then we bought a house in Sydney. And here, I just want you to know, I may have, I have mentioned this over the years, but uh, this was, this was like the perfect storm of financial challenge that tested our faith. Uh, because the company I worked for, it was a bit like that scenario that I just mentioned, except they didn't actually tell us that they're going to be retrenching us. They just kind of stopped paying us. Uh, and so I worked for this firm, and uh, we went for several weeks, and they didn't pay us anything. We found that a little uncomfortable, you know, most of us as employees. But then they sort of recouped the money, and we found out later they just got a loan, and they kind of paid us. And But then it started again for several weeks. At the same time... Ruth had just stopped working because we were about to have our first child. So she was like eight months, seven months pregnant, and she stopped working. So we had one income level, which was mine, but there was no income. It was just a theory. You know, it had just it had gone from practice to theory. And so we had no money coming. And are you ready for this? Interest rates, 1990, went to the highest point that they ever have been in Australian history, 17.5% for our mortgage on our home. And 
And, and you look at the stats, you go back and find a graph or look at RBA figures or something, it's never been higher. And so, and I wasn't getting paid. And I went for six weeks, I was madly applying for other jobs while theoretically still, you know, working. I mean, I was still going to work. We were still working and doing the right thing. And I wrote a lovely letter when I got another job of gracious thanks for the job that I'd had, you know, gritting my teeth rather than sending him a letter bomb. I had to do the Christian thing and say, thank you for the opportunity. Thinking, yeah, opportunity, opportunity of grace to forgive you thumb suckers for not paying me any money. Yeah. But, but I said it all right and kept a good attitude. And, um, and got a fantastic job, which was sort of part of the, the answer. And the, but in the short term, in the short term, medium term, for like a month or two, I would, I would get all the bills, look at all the figures. And I mean, budgets are good, but it's not so good when, you know, your expenses outweigh your income and your income zero. And uh, so I would get all the figures and it just wouldn't add up. And then I would literally get my Bible and lay it over the top of it on the desk. And I remember just laying my hands on the Bible and we kept tithing with whatever income we did have. And I remember just proclaiming the promises of God and, and standing and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but we honor you and you've said you will honor us. You'll meet all our needs. And supernaturally, miraculously, we had everything we needed. I don't know how. The numbers never added up, but we got through that. Uh, and uh, the interest rates didn't go down. But the, the, And then I did get another job and it was... It was well paid, but it was still sketchy because we were on one income and, uh, you know, had the baby and the baby ate a lot of food. That was Hudson. You know, he's always been big. And uh, so, you know, you may be or have been or will be in tight, tough financial scenarios, uh, but you hang in there with the word of God and you honor God. He'll honor his word. And uh, I guarantee he will get you through. And... Uh, and he did for us and has continued right through plenty of other times uh, when things have been naturally uh, not so promising, but supernaturally power of God through the word of God and believing, standing, obeying and proclaiming the word of God brings about the fulfillment of Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Yeah. So the government's not your provider. The boss, the firm, Artie Mabel, who's you know not that well but loves you and has five houses and you're thinking, well... You know, maybe there's an inheritance coming or whatever. She's not, you know, the provider. God is. Amen? All right, final scenario. So um, so you, you, you have lunch at work and you're talking to your colleagues and someone starts talking about spiritual matters. And that's interesting. Uh, someone says uh, they're all in the new age and they've uh, got this strong belief that we're inherently good. In fact, if we, if we really work on it, we'll, we're really gods ourselves, each one of us. And, and if you play your cards right, you'll achieve nirvana, you know. And, and people are very interested. Now, at other times, you might feel shy, unsure, awkward, not knowing what to say, uh, which is exactly where the devil wants you. But because you've been meditating on the word, let's say uh, maybe even that morning, you've just read Acts chapter 1 and Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And you took that to heart and you're meditating on that. And you think, there's my chance, you know. So you step out and you remember Romans 3.23. And you say, well, look, I'm sorry to pour a, you know, dark cloud or rain or whatever on your, your fallacy about us being perfect and godly. Because the Bible says, and maybe you get your Bible and you show them 
Can I see, can I show you what the word of God says? Because the word of God is powerful, yeah? And so it's not just your word against theirs. It's not just your opinion. You say, yeah, well, that sounds really good. But I'll tell you what God says. So you're not arguing with me. And you say, Romans 3.23, look, everyone has sinned. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. Oh, and they say, well, who could be good enough? How could we ever, if God so, ah, glad you asked. Because then you say there was one person that came to earth to bring a solution. And he's the only one and the only way. Oh, that rings a bell. John 14, 6. Oh, you're in the flow now and you feel the anointing. You have this experience? Because you can and will. And you think, man, I didn't, that was, and it comes out your word. And you go, wow, that sounded good. And it, and it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And you say, yeah, there's one person, one way. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, you know, people will be happy to talk about God. But once you talk about Jesus, there's an edge. Because people are doing some bad things in the name of God. But Jesus is God with skin on, God who came to earth, God who provided a way to heaven. Yeah, God incarnate, God personified, God for us to approach and, and understand and go through and believe in and be saved by. And so you tell them about Jesus and you realize, wow, this is the word of God being employed like a sword and I'm cutting down those arguments that you don't want to fight against someone. We don't fight against flesh and blood. You don't say to your new age, oh, you're an idiot, you're new age, Nirvana, what do you think? You're stupid. And then it's all you and it's just a personality thing then, isn't it? Oh, you're not having a go at them, but you're just gently showing them what the word of God says. And then you find them saying, wow, what is it? Show me that again. Okay, gee, I hadn't thought about that. And, and so there's the power of the word of God. And you realize, wow, that prayer time that I had this morning, that time in the Bible when I read that scripture in Acts chapter 1 that stirred me to remember I'm a witness for Jesus, I'm so glad I didn't, didn't hit the snooze button that I actually got up 15 minutes earlier than I felt comfortable to do and got into the Word of God. Because this, this can be literally life-changing for eternity. That's not a melodramatic, over-the-top statement. That person's life at that point, or maybe it's not at that point, you're just sowing seed, and they say, can we talk about this again? Yeah, sure. Why? Well, can I come to your church? Is this what you're talking about? Yeah. And then it, and it could just be a, a progressive step to them being fully born again and knowing Jesus for themselves. They're just a few of the classic kind of scenarios that we face every day and how differently we can face them with or without the Word of God. With or without believing in, obeying, and proclaiming the Word of God. And throughout every day, you're going to deal with difficult people. You're going to uh, be tempted to gossip or slander about people. You'll be tempted in other areas. You might have a setback and you're upset about something. You can come home after a day at work and then one of your kids has been in trouble at school. I'm only speaking hypothetically. That's never happened to me. But, uh, you know, but, you know, there can be dramas at home. And, uh, or, you, you know, you, your mother-in-law says she's coming to visit. You know, I mean, that's, no, that's good news. I'm just making sure. But you know what I'm saying? There's all sorts of stuff that can go on and we need to know the word. Listen, I'll read just one or two verses to finish. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth, who knows the Bible. Yeah? And then, as I said, we've got to obey the word. Like Peter, who, when Jesus told him 
to put out his nets again when he'd been fishing all night and there were no fish and he's an expert fisherman said Lord we've toiled, toiled all night we've caught nothing but at your word I will let down my nets at the word he obeyed the word of God and he got the biggest catch of fish he'd ever had in his life and then of course we speak the word we take it as the sword of the spirit we let it cut through difficult circumstances and cut down the enemy and change our world amen We hope you enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about our podcast so they too can learn, live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at c3cc.org.au. See you next time. God bless.